That's right. We're alive. We're up. We're breathing. We're kicking. Well, we probably shouldn't kick. But we're moving. We're all on a spiritual journey in this life. You are headed somewhere in this spiritual journey. You're headed somewhere. But the question is, how do you know which direction you're going? Uh, and how did you choose your destination? Or, or did you, have you chosen your destination? Uh, and how can you tell if you're making progress in the direction you want to go toward the destination you want to reach. Uh, over the next few Sundays, we're going to be spotting four important mile markers on the way to knowing Jesus better. Whenever I'm on the road, particularly the interstate where they have those nice green uh, mile markers, I, I'll watch for them. This way I count down or count up. If I'm coming from Indiana, I know exactly what mile markers I need to pass and what, you know, how many more there are and so how to get to my base city exit. And uh, if I'm, once I cross the, the state line into Indiana, it's counting down to Indianapolis, as you do it normally, and I, and I just watch those mile markers. I don't know if anybody else does that, but that's one of the ways I keep track of where I am and where I'm going when I'm on the highway. I love mile markers, and so we're going to be looking for four mile markers on uh, this spiritual journey. Uh, and the first one we're going to talk about uh, is a mile marker no longer slow. Well, now we're all probably pretty comfortable saying we've never been slaves, but that's probably not an accurate statement. Probably no one's owned you in the physical sense. But there are ways in which we are slaves. Some of us are slaves to rules. We're kind of struggling to be good enough. Actually, good enough for Jesus, but, but good enough. It's our goal. It's our. It's the, the, the motivating thing when we get up in the morning, how can I be good enough? Some of us are slaves to excuses. We paint over our brokenness with justification. So, yeah, well, you know, it's not really my fault. My parents did this. I was born this way. I, was, I lost my job. I'm old. I'm young. I'm white. I'm not white. I've got white hair. I don't have hair. I have excuses. I cover up my brokenness, and and and, and some of the times I think we're not only trying to hide the brokenness from other people, we're trying to hide the brokenness from ourselves, and we just really don't want to admit that we don't want Jesus to see our brokenness. But here's here's I just want to be on a teacher. And, and so the only person hurting when we're slaves to excuses is us. 
some of us have been slaves to expectations. We, we focus it on, on approval from friends and family and society in order to feel good about ourselves. You know, if I just make everybody happy. Now, I'm just going to confess to you as a firstborn child, some of you, I'm not going to ever ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to confess for most of us as firstborn. This is something I figured out. You can make some of the people happy some of the time, but you will never make all of the people happy all of the time. And if you are constantly trying to make all the people happy, you are in for a long, hard life. Being a slave of other people's expectations. Some of us have been slaves or are slaves to addictions. We start out looking for pleasure when we have a good time, and the next thing we know, we know we're stuck. We, we, we don't want to have a good time. We just want to have that whatever it is. And in all of this, it, it, we can summarize it in one way, the way the Bible does Slaves to sin. Slaves to doing life our way and not God's way. We are born slaves and we choose to be slaves to sin. To doing it our way. Well, it's an American thing. Two of the great musical voices of all time, Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley, sang our anthem. No, I didn't mean the Star Spangled Banner. I meant the song, I Did It My Way. That's where we're at. We're slaves to doing it our way. How are we ever going to find freedom? How are we ever going to be free to live without the slavery to rules and sin and regulations and expectations and, and the desire to please people and, and all these things? How can we be free? Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 17. This, Romans is a letter. Paul wrote a letter to introduce himself to the church in Rome, the Christians in Rome. He had never been there. They didn't know anything, but he was on his way. Uh, he was not on pleasure cruise. Coming from the eastern side of uh, the Mediterranean Sea to Italy, he was not on a pleasure cruise. He was on a prison ship. He was coming to Rome, but though. And he had hoped that when he got to Rome, he'd get done there, and then he'd go on further west, even maybe possibly to what we call Spain. So he was wanting them to know who he was. It's always nice to have friends when you go someplace. You know, if, if, 
if you go to Chicago to visit, some of you would like start this immediately. Why would I ever do that? But some of us would. If we were to go to Chicago to visit, it would be nice to have friends there to show us around. And Paul said, I would like to have some friends in Rome. So he sends us a letter. And we are going to be in what I call the eighth page, the chapter in our Bibles. It's called the chapter, but I call it the eighth page. It's a long letter. There's 16 chapters, so it's like 16 pages long. Handwritten. And, and he's talking to them. He's then talking to them about the things that God does for us. Because we are messed up. And he establishes really quickly, like on the third or fourth page, everybody's broken, everybody's messed up, everybody is a slave to sin. And then he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, So, when you believe in Jesus, you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Two things Paul points out to us here. First of all, when we come to God, we put our faith in Jesus, we trust Him, we ask Him for His forgiveness, and that God sends His Spirit to live in us, and He becomes to us our loving Heavenly Father. Not a fear-inducing master. He's a Spirit who lives in us and heals us, heals our adoption into God's family. He's the Son who came, lived, and died and rise again to bring us into the family. There is not anything about God that doesn't want us in His family. Nothing. Let me say that one more time. There is nothing about God that doesn't want us in His family. God is the loving Heavenly Father. He's not a fear-inducing master. He's not a slave driver. We have to strive to please and to obey because if we don't, he's going to smack us. Well, this, but the idea of God smacking you is just scary. What if he had at his disposal? Fighting. I could open up and swallow me. Be a big opening, but it would still be an opening. But he's not that. He's a loving father who takes care of us. 
God's grace definitely. And the second thing that Paul wants us to understand is that God's grace sets us free to love Him. Not to fear Him, but to love Him. He sets us free. It's a gift. He doesn't have to give it to us. He wants to. You know, Christmas is coming. I'm not one of those people that counts down, but I keep seeing pictures of people throwing up winter scenes and going, so many days till Christmas. I'm going, give me the winter scene as your Christmas. You know, don't panic me. I don't do my shopping for Christmas Eve. I do Christmas Eve Eve. I'm going to go out and do my good. No. Don't panic me. There's so many times that we give gifts, but not because we particularly love somebody, but because we feel like we have to. We send Christmas cards to people. Not because we love them, but because they sent us Christmas cards last year, and if we don't send them cards this year, they're going to think we're jerks. Then I'll throw up on our Facebook page going, what's the matter? Can you play Teddy Bear each Christmas? No. By the way, for all those of you looking forward to Christmas, so am I. Merry Christmas. And this is how God's grace, His love, gives to us. Not because He has to, but because He wants to. He did not have to create us. He wanted to. He did not have to come after us when we left him to do our own thing. But he does. Because he wants to. He didn't have to die for us on a cross. But he did. Because he wants us. And if you can't respond to that with love, you haven't quite got the picture yet. His grace motivates us to set us free to love Him. It fuels our desire to please Him. We want to please Him because we love Him. Yet we're faced with that fear that somehow we've got to make sure we all So, here's the sermon in a sentence. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am no longer a slave to worrying about what other people think. I have come to the conclusion there's only one person I need to please. Christ Christ. Jesus. It's been amazing, though, the more I try to please him, the easier it is to please her. No longer slave to fear of, of breaking rules. No longer a slave to the fear of, of not being what God wants me to be. Because I am what He wants. I am a child of God. 
what He created you for. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? Well, if you haven't figured that out, remember, I put batteries in the guitar backwards. Upside down or something. So, no, I'm nowhere near perfect. But I'm a child of God. I am what He created me to be. I will become more and more like Him by His grace. I'm no longer slave to fear. God wants us to be with Him. Not to prove that we're valuable to Him. Can we just stop and think about how silly that is? To think that somehow I can do something that will prove to God how valuable I am to Him? He needs nothing. You know, it's kind of like buying a present for somebody that's got a billion dollars. What do you buy for somebody who has a billion dollars? Well, I sure would like their second billion, but I don't have that kind of money. What do you buy? I'll just give them a lot. I find that. Seriously? What do you give to a God who needs nothing? You give him what he wants. Judgment rules our lives, and this slavery, the slavery takes many forms, but there's really only one solution to all of those forms. There's only one way to be free, and it's Jesus' offer of grace. The gift of grace, and He can set us free to be the children of God we are created to be. A long time ago, when we were Some of us read an American author, Andrew Hemingway. He wrote a short story called Capital of the World. And the main character is, is, a, is a young man named Paco, which is a common name in Spanish. And Paco has a falling out with his father and runs away from the grid. And in Madrid, he's barely getting by, but he's hoping to become a bullfighter. Like some of the people at the hotel where he works. And, and his father has come to Madrid and searched and searched and searched and searched and cannot find his dad. And so finally, in desperation, he takes down an ad, a short ad in the newspaper that reads Paco. Meet me at the Hotel Montana, New Houston, all is forgiven, Papa. He didn't know it was going to work. Wasn't sure if the son would see it or not. But imagine his surprise when the father, Papa's father, arrives at the hotel at noon on Tuesday. The police have shown up because there's been a mob 
800 young men named Paco wanted to be reunited with their father. 800 guys in Madrid who were longing to hear the word of the This week I read about a survey. You see, that was a, that's a fictional story. It's my story. But this is, this is, you know, this is like more or less about a scientific there was a survey asked, what three words do you want to hear? A survey of people asked, what three words do you most want to hear? And the top three answers were, I love you, I forgive you, dinner is ready. To me, if we if we if we were listening, but people want to hear what we want to hear. Because let's be honest, I'm pretty sure there's not a one of us in this room for whom those three sentences don't make sense and we include for us. There's somebody we want to hear say, "I love you." There's somebody we wish would forgive us, and we all are always happy to get right. People want to hear. Things and they correspond exactly to what Jesus says to us. Jesus comes and says, God loves you. And Jesus, God expresses his sacrificial and unconditional love to us. When you look at the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, you know exactly how far God will go to have a relationship with you. Put our faith in Jesus, God forgives sinners of every kind, even though you are not even here. God forgives. By the way, dinner is ready. And Jesus, God welcomes us all to a feast where everybody who wants to come is welcome. We have a place at the table. Anyone wants to be there can be there. Jesus sets up the guest list. It's his table, and anybody can come that wants to come. Now, he's not going to drag you to the retreat. God loves you. God forgives you. Forgiveness requires, though, a total willingness to let God be God and to do for us the healing, the restoring, and the renewing. You see, as long as we think, I have to be there, I have to fix me, I have to do something to fix me, I have to do something like this. We end up with partial solutions. So instead of being a slave, we become a humble human. Jesus going, I want you to be my child. Yeah, but I need to do this for you. No, you don't. You can't do it. 
Yeah, yeah. 